Well, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to season two. I just kind of clued in myself here. Um, So I am super excited uh, to start season two uh, with you all. And uh, as you guys all know, we've been really busy doing a lot of recording. Uh, Super excited about the guests that we have um, already rec- recorded and then uh, the ones that are to come and so uh, really excited um, to have Jordan Witzel in the studio this morning as our as our first uh, guest for season two of the Ordinary Courage podcast and uh, so yeah we're going to get into things right away with Jordan here but I'm also really excited to announce that um, this episode of Ordinary Courage has been sponsored uh, by EHN Canada. And so EHN Canada is a, uh, they're an addiction and mental health treatment uh, facility. They have organizations all across Canada. And so they have um, stepped up and have sponsored a couple of episodes this being one of them. And so I'm just going to tell you guys a little bit about uh, one of their new uh, programs that they have that I'm actually personally really thrilled about because uh, I really believe that we need more um, youth uh, youth programs for our youth. Uh, we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have enough, quite honestly. And so I'm thrilled that um, EHN has uh, launched and it's currently running right now Uh, and so it's called New Start Youth. It's an IOP um, program and so uh, there are tens of thousands of youth right now that are waiting for mental health and addiction treatment today here in Canada and so during this pandemic uh, they decided that we needed that there there needed to be effective online treatment uh, tailored to young people now more than ever. So the New START Digital Youth Intensive Outpatient Treatment Program is now available and here to help. This is an evidence-based online mental health treatment program. It's specifically uh, for youth ages 14 to 18 and includes both individual and group sessions along with parent caregiver support. The program is currently accepting applications for fully subsidized treatment. I'm going to say that again because that does not happen very often. Mm -hmm. This program, this youth program, is currently accepting applications for fully subsidized treatment. Okay, for youth 14 to 18. So their goal is to treat over 500 youth in 2021 and support... um, and our support, your support, everyone's support will help them get there. Uh, so to give or learn more, visit www.newstartfoundation.ca. Again, I will have all of this information uh, in the show notes and uh, we'll be um, sharing it online and stuff like that. And so with that, I am excited to jump into our first episode uh, with Mr. Jordan Witzel. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here, Jordan. So excited to to chat with you and have you be our first guest. Mm -hmm. That means so much. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, Just listening through the first season, um, what you're doing is is really inspiring and some of the awareness that uh, you are creating through a podcast, which is such an accessible way to just speak to everybody Mm -hmm. from all backgrounds. 
um, there really isn't much hindrance on people being able to listen to a podcast. And so, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, if you're listening, I encourage you to to spread the word with more people about how great Venetia's podcast is because oh, it's, Thank you. No, it's just listening. That first season is so impactful. So I'm absolutely honored that you've asked me, um, you know, I don't know how much more I have to offer, especially just from the episode, you know, listening to your conversation with my wife, Lindsay Mm -hmm. and her brother, Ryan. Um, I mean, she was, her whole life has centered around addictions and having a loved one addicted to something and just dealing with it from the outside, looking in and to listen to Lindsay speak Mm -hmm. is... You know what? I I learned so much more about my wife just from Mm -hmm. quote unquote shutting up and listening to what she had to say Yeah. um, in more depth about her brother. Her and I have sat and talked so much about her brother and her parents and and their family experience Mm -hmm. um, with his addiction and some of the mental health um, aspects related to that and what sort of spun him. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I don't know, just listening was really interesting for me mm-hmm. it's something I've tried to you, you know as I um as I joined their family nearly 20 years ago wow yeah. it was so confusing um to see sort of the good and the bad that mm-hmm. their family was going through and then becoming my you know me becoming a part of the family mm-hmm. And always kind of feeling on the outside and so confused because I hadn't seen or been exposed to that traditional sense of mental health and addiction ongoing in a family. Um, so I felt extra helpless in all of that, mm-hmm. in all of the years. And and I go back and I, I, I there's a, a massive amount of regret that I didn't listen a little bit earlier to Lindsay, to Ryan. Mm-hmm to her parents that I was so scared to really get my hands on in and, and try and help or try and listen a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that what was happening for you? Like now when you can look back. Oh, when I look back, I felt so, I, I didn't even know. Like, could where you articulate your own, you know? Oh, um, addictions is confu- an addiction is confusing. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially when you've never heard adults talk about it mm-hmm. and, and as a kid, you just try and navigate your way through what you think are addictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as I was, so that was post high school for me that Lindsay and I met and that I met her brother and her parents and their extended family who you could tell were all in personal turmoil about how they were dealing and relating to Ryan. Mm -hmm. And as Lindsay spoke in season one with you, Mm -hmm. the shame Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how they were all sort of navigating that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, I'd seen, so I had seen addictions with some friends, like drug addiction with some friends, which is, I think oftentimes, um, maybe it's the most outwardly harmful type of addiction. Yeah. When we talk about the massive scope of things that folks can can lean on to yeah. make it through trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched a handful of friends go through that and even go to recovery centers um, as we graduated high school and went, you know, into our early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought I knew addictions, but, you know, as a friend of an addict, you can kind of 
I don't know. I guess I chose to distance myself at times and maybe not be the best support. Mm-hmm. When I look back now as, as an adult male, a little bit more educated, a little bit more open mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more capable of listening. Mm-hmm. I regret that even at that time, I didn't give some of my friends space to their drug addictions to actually be there for them. Mm-hmm. But then I jump full into a family that is so loving, so open to conversation about anything, um, yet so just beaten up by the shame that they're trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't want to. I almost didn't want to put a ripple in everything and make it worse. So I was. I, I shied away from trying to make it better. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's a hard, it's hard to suddenly yeah. jump into that situation. It's mm-hmm. not, it's, I'm sure it's way easier than having been front and center. They were already probably seven years deep into trying to help Ryan navigate and even navigate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It was an interesting perspective. And I think in all this time, I'm still not, I think I'm sitting here still not able to fully articulate it other than I look back and I appreciate what, what Ryan's experience has taught me to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is listening. I didn't listen to him at all. I just had my, my concept of how people should push through fight through their problems and their addictions mm-hmm. like pull up your bootstraps yeah kind of thing and yeah yeah um and so you know ryan's legacy for me will be that listening listening to my children listening to my wife and taking every opportunity to do that to the people around me listening to them mm-hmm. but not not just listening but hearing what they're saying mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so you go back and you say, yeah, it was a nice moment for me to hear, to get to know my wife more just mm-hmm. by hearing her articulate to you what it was like in that same moment when I kind of joined their family and they were right in the midst of all this and what mm-hmm. they were really going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think more of us could be served to just listen a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. I don't know that uh, whether that means something different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we we hear what's going on around us. We don't always mm-hmm. we don't always listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think sometimes like because I I think it's also really important to to come to know and understand too that we don't we don't even always have to say anything. Right. Like you know what I mean. Sometimes yeah, you're right. Just listening is just listening and holding space. Mm-hmm. for that person mm-hmm. whatever it is that they're going through right and not feeling like not feeling some sort of pressure or external pressure that we're somehow supposed to know the right thing to say or have all the right things yeah. to say or even yeah. the right answers or whatever because a lot of times I, I don't even know that I know even for myself I'm not even really looking for someone to have something to say back to me just to give me the space to say it right. and just yeah. let it, let, let it be there. Just you, let it be out in the space. You, you know? articulate that so well, because I think that is what I was definitely missing was knowing that I could just be there to give people space. I, you know, I'd grown up in such an atmosphere of, um, 
being considered a leader in sports, mm-hmm. being considered um, a leader in my school, and and always kind of having a response for things, whether it was through humor or a little bit of advice for friends um, on or off the football field, you know, mm-hmm. as a captain on a football team, uh, teammates are confused about something. Like, I know this all seems really kind of non-consequential, but the point is, I always had a response for things mm-hmm. for those around me. And I think once I met Lindsay and her parents and her brother, I didn't have a response. And and I didn't know how, and I yet didn't know how to give space to just, like, they probably all could have used just a fresh set of ears. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my regret early is that I wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Um, but growth and change also takes time. And I think at mm-hmm. least that's, Ryan's legacy in my life is that he's he's pointed me in the right direction to educate myself mm-hmm. um to give other people space and not always advice yeah uh and and I've always considered myself non-judgmental of people but to really gain depth in that mm-hmm. to to go in with an open mind mm-hmm. um when you're get when you're listening to somebody mm-hmm I I think sometimes like I think I think I think it's in order for us to do that you know what I mean to be uh, to give people space and to just come from a real place of humility and and non judgment we we really need to be able to also have looked within mm. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying because. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we all know this, it's not like it's new info or whatever, but a lot of times we do, we are looking at people, we are having opinions and perceptions of things based on our own internal framework. Hey, like our own, hundred percent. do you know what I'm saying? And you yeah. know what, that, exactly. So you go back to my time as a, as a young adult and, uh, and there was a ton of turmoil, uh, within myself. Yeah. And so I, I I guess I'm just at a space of both um, I'm beyond the regrets and I'm in a space of forgiveness for myself because I also know some of the crap that I dealt with as a a kid and a teenager um, that kind of, you know, made me this boisterous, overbearing, um, too much to handle for many people, young adult Mm that I do accept that I just wasn't in a, in a moment where I could even learn how to have the space for other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you can look back at that as a regret, but I, uh, but only if you haven't done something to change it. Mm-hmm. Well, and or, I th- or even know. Or even, even be aware of, of right? where yeah. you're sitting in other people's sort of space and their trauma, right? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to either lessen um, the impact that their trauma is having on them or mm-hmm. to almost, you know, increase its effect? Mm-hmm we've all we all have faced wild variety of trauma in our, mm-hmm. in our separate lives mm-hmm. and when it comes to addictions we've all figured out ways to sort of navigate that trauma whether it's childhood trauma teenage trauma young adult trauma where we know you know emerging adults it's proven by a lot of our, our medical community just how difficult that mm-hmm. that space of emerging adulthood that 18 to 25 is mm-hmm. um 
So, you know, you look back at it and you go, okay, well, we were all kind of in a crummy area there and I'm trying to navigate my relationship with friends who have addictions and I meet um, my future wife and her brother's addicted and it seems like they're, it seems like some days their household is about to crumble mm-hmm. and then other days the, the family is so together and genuinely loving. Mm-hmm. Oh man, what a... I don't know. I just, I couldn't even figure out where to begin in all of that space. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it took some time. Um, but I think I'm proud to say that through an open mind, I've, I've sought out, sought out a lot of education, both formal and informal education on addictions and mental health Mm -hmm. and relationships, um, to have at least grown myself to a point uh, where I am a completely different adult than I was in that time frame, you know, mm-hmm. in my early twenties. And I think, you know, so we sit here and you think about all the folks listening who are either facing addictions, have faced addictions and are still working through recovery, which we know is a lifelong mm-hmm. endeavor. Um, and their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, as a, a loved one, when we stand shoulder to shoulder, looking in on all of these folks dealing with addictions and recovery. Um, it really is not what you can do for yourself in that situation, but how can you just give yourselves to them with a little bit more maturity, a little bit more openness. Mm -hmm. And again, I guess I take it back to listening, right? Like like we've had uh, Lindsay and I have had conversations where she looks back at at her brother coming back from a recovery center Mm -hmm. And man, he's done the work at that point, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. He's done the work and he comes home and he says to her, you know what I need from you is this, this, and this, and this. Mm-hmm. And she's expressed, and I know, I know it's a regret now for her that in those moments she said to him, well, screw you, buddy. You're the addict. You figure it out. Yeah. I'm here and you've put me through so much shit, but yeah. like, you owe me. Yeah. And yeah. I think those of us... <sighs> per se on the outside looking in, I think we have to adopt that, that revelation that Lindsay has had in recent years of, damn, what could have been different had I actually said to him, okay, I'll buy in with you. I get it. You're coming from treatment and they gave you some great tools. And those tools included pushing your loved ones to listen better, Mm -hmm. to recognize their own traumas and, and, and their own little quirks that they're throwing on the addicted person. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so true. I'm reminded of, uh, I remember hearing about this, at, you know, one of my passes through treatment, you know, with Eden and stuff, but it's like, you know how you have like a baby mobile mm-hmm. over the crib, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, like the little mobile. And if you just hit, just like, bloop, one of those little little giraffe animals or whatever the whole mobile becomes Mm topsy-turvy and it affects it affects the whole mobile Mm -hmm. even though you just touched one little thing right and I think that's like in relation to what you're saying like with addiction and and we're we we're more aware of that now today but we still need obviously even more awareness around this because not everyone knows but everyone does like to kind of point their finger at the addict and like you just need to clean up you need to figure it out you got the whole family in this mess you You got the whole family in exactly and what we don't realize is that we all 
even though say the rest of them might not be addicts or alcoholics or struggle with the actual substance abuse issue, we all get sick. We're all, whether it's, you know, codependent stuff or, you know what I mean? No boundaries. Like it could go on and on and on. That's a whole but thing. But isn't there. it, I, I also think, I mean, I, I guess that's where personally my maturity came in that where I dove into, like you said, yeah. Hey, you're kind of projecting your own issues and your own, not to say issues, but you're projecting your own traumas mm-hmm. on those who are, are just deeper in the shit at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're kind of like, well, I'm not as not as bad off as you right yeah. now. You figure yourself out. Yeah. And, and I, I guess the most dangerous thing we can do is try is build a bubble around ourselves that, um, protects us to a certain point from that person facing addiction mm-hmm. in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, I built a, I built that bubble. I definitely think in that first year or two with Lindsay's family, I was so confused. I just, I, the, a bubble went up and, and I tried to protect myself because I knew there were demons hiding within myself. If you want to use the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to persevere or le- lean away from my own trauma by, leaning away and putting a bubble up and going, well, Ryan's the one with the real issue. Yeah. Just and he's so- got to figure it out and then his family will be better. And, 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 you know, even in my worst moments, I know even in, in my heart, in my head, I was like, come on, buddy, like you're ruining it. I have this whole vision of my life and you're ruining it for me. I, I wanted, I wanted two great families. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, bud, get it together. And I put it all on him. And I think again, it, it goes back to like Lindsay said too has said to me, um, he would come back from treatment and, and ask genuine things mm-hmm. and, and not to speak for Lindsay. But what I think I take of that is I think she wishes she could have listened better in those moments mm-hmm. and really just given him space. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she was building trauma because here she has an mm-hmm. older brother who she always looked up to, who was mm-hmm. such an amazing brother to her mm-hmm. in their entire childhood. Mm-hmm. And then, and then everything became outward. All of his trauma became outward. And as it did, it started to ripple effect in that mobile, right. And created yeah. some trauma for her. And she tried to, I think, just put the bubble up and say, no, this is all your fault. Mm-hmm. So figure it out, man. Mm-hmm. And then we'll all be okay. Yeah. Whereas, it's not an easy path, but yeah, I think you have to, if you can recognize early on that you just step down the path with mm-hmm. that person, mm-hmm. um, that's just your endeavor in life. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I know it's hard to face that. Well, okay, this is the card I was dealt. Mm-hmm. Either I have an addiction I'm dealing with or I have a loved one who's facing an addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I'm sitting here six years too late, seven, eight years too late, a decade too late to have lost Ryan. And um, I could have leaned into that. Uh, you know, I thought I was open-minded. I wasn't, and, and Ryan revealed that to me. I was open-minded to people and things when it was convenient for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ryan was never convenient for me. In my selfish moments, you know, of just I'm trying to get married, I'm trying to get a family going, I'm trying to build a career. Like, come on, buddy. Like, and and uh, 
we spent many years living in Winnipeg. I worked in Winnipeg. My wife, uh, Lindsay, finished her, her education in Winnipeg and then got into her first career in Winnipeg. And Ryan moved back from Vancouver to Winnipeg for a bit. And there were those good moments. Like, there were really great moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so Ryan was living there in the city with us. And uh, we had a lot of fun. We tried to support him as best we could. Mm-hmm. What a cliche statement, right? Um, but there are those moments where like, I, I wasn't open-minded enough because it wasn't convenient for me mm-hmm. when Lindsay would go, and I would go away for a weekend and, and we, we tried to put as much trust in him. There were moments, weekends away, where we would ask him to look after our dogs. And I recall one specifically where you know, we came home after three days away and the dogs hadn't been fed and there was just, you know, their feces everywhere in the house. And so Ryan had definitely spiraled yeah, and had a tough weekend. Yeah. And, and, you know, it wasn't convenient for me. Like, you know, man, I'm trying to spend a weekend golfing with your sister. I'm trying to enjoy my new marriage. We ask one little favor in the scope of us doing all of these favors for you and your addiction. And that was the mindset. And yeah. it was like... And for then him to spiral for a whole month or two months, like, of course he would, because he's, you know, I come home and I chew him out with no listening, with no real understanding, because it wasn't convenient for me in that moment. I think that's actually massively huge, like what you're saying, just that it's not convenient, like that, when you first said, first said that, it really... I, I can so relate to that, and it really hits hits home. I think it would will probably hit home for a lot of listeners because addiction is there's nothing convenient right. about it. Right, and there's nothing. nothing typical about it too. Because you you're gonna if you're sitting here and, and you're just in your loved circle, recognizing that there's something falling apart related to an addiction that it's becoming more outward and obvious Mm -hmm. and you're sitting here listening and you're thinking, okay, well we can just, you know, of all of these guests on Venetia's podcast, I can kind of put this all together and this will help us navigate. We're just here for a little tidbit of, of sharing our experience, Mm -hmm. but it's, everything is so non-typical from the Mm -hmm. next experience and the next experience. And, uh, I think as long as you can, recognize when you're trying to hide in your own little convenience away from that person, Mm -hmm. that those are probably the moments that you have to turn around and lean back into their addiction. I, there, there's, uh, there's so much in what you're saying, Jordan, like I, it's so, it's so obvious, you know, and it's too bad that we, I mean, we're, we're starting to get there now a little bit, <clears throat> and Lindsay and I touched on that too in her episode, but just how we are starting to realize now more and more that, you know, we say that all the time, oh, addiction touches all of us, it's a, but, it, but it actually does, mm-hmm. like it actually mm-hmm. does from the family to the extended family, to friends, to even extended friends, to your employees or your employer, your coworkers, your peers, your whatever it is, like all of this stuff that you're talking about, it's not convenient. Um, you know, learning how to hold space or not have space, 
you know, you put yourself in a, it doesn't matter what we do, but it, it really does impact us all. And it, and it, you know, like several years ago when you guys were going through this and Lindsay was going this, there wasn't a lot of dialogue around, you know what I'm saying? Around how to navigate this as a family, because we really do need to learn to navigate it as a family. Like, because we are, we are all messed up in it. Like even the people that aren't say using, you know, drinking or doing drugs, we all get a little crazy. Yeah. in this thing, yeah. you know, and I, I remember going through with Eden and, and I hear, I so hear this in you and what you're saying. You, you haven't out and out said it yet, but I, I hear it in your, in your, in what you're saying that in so many ways, Ryan has taught you guys some of your greatest life lessons. Yeah. Yeah. And I could totally relate to that. Yeah. With my daughter. Eden, because I, some of the greatest things I have ever learned in my life came from going through and walking with Eden through her addiction, you know? Yeah. And I know that's, you know, both of us sit here. Yeah, I can agree with that. I know that's a hard thing for someone who's in a totally different stage, either of addiction or someone who has a loved person who's facing addiction, um, like full force right now. To hear that and go, what the hell am I going to learn? Like, come on, what am I going to learn that's ever going to benefit me? Like, just end this. Just make this stop now. Give us all freedom from this. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, you got to do the work, and it's the work that's going to... Ha- you all have to do the work, not just the addict. Mm-hmm. And that is the process that will teach you new things um, and make you a better person. And... Uh, you know, it just, it outright sucks in our situation that, um, I am that better person now, but, but I don't have Ryan here to actually hug and thank for, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so seriously, take those moments to hug those people. And uh, I just appreciate that what they're fighting through is teaching you something, too, about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I lived my first 35 years pretty selfishly. And in these last three or four years, I have really been able to reflect on on what I, what I have gained from Ryan. And... Uh, it's changed my whole perspective on life. It's changed my path going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, both by just the little things that I try to do with, with my boys that I try to do as a coach in our community, Mm -hmm. the big things that I tried to do as, you know, a a visible person, uh, through my broadcasting career. Mm -hmm. Um, so much of it is inspired by the lessons I've learned from him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and just trying to give other other families mixed up in all of this um, sort of a jump start on the lessons that took so long for me to internalize, you know, like, okay, here, 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 here's a little chapter of what you could take with you for you, for you and your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Your path is still going to be different, but 
God, if you can just take a little bit from my chapter, mm-hmm. um, maybe it'll make that process of, of learning a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But, oh God, like, would, you would, know, the amount of reflection I've done on myself mm-hmm. because of Ryan's experience, um, the battles that we fought, like battles, silent battles. They're not yelling and screaming. I know Lindsay had that with her brother a lot. Mm-hmm. I just shut him out. Mm-hmm. Our battle was uh, just shut him out. Yeah. But there's, you know, if I sit here now and I, I offer one tool to people, like you can't, like, you take the lesson from Lindsay of in all of those years, him coming back a couple of times, several times from, from treatment center and desperately clawing at his family members to say, you know, I get it, but this is a team game and I need you guys Mm -hmm. and I need this from you and I need this from you. And yes, I may still slip, but God, can you do the work too? Mm-hmm. And it's not to take away from, and Lindsay will say, it, 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 her and her parents did so much work and they, they went to some of the treatment centers. They mm-hmm. did all of the stuff, mm-hmm. but they, Lindsay will accept that there's more she could have done that Ryan asked of her, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you really got to reflect inward on yourself. I think before you can, like you hinted at it, mm-hmm. you've got to be aware of your own mm-hmm traumas and hiccups mm-hmm. and whatever your own you shortcomings right and yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. i mean you take that that's um a meditation practice that i've gained um i've tried for years and years and years to settle myself and investigate what's going on inside myself mm-hmm. um but it wasn't until these last few years you know really with both ryan's passing and me as a grown person also investigating some of the crap I've really been through in my life and my childhood that, um, uh, you know, to dive deep into a meditation practice is, oh man, it opens me up for a day of being able to, we double back to give that space and that listening and real open-mindedness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. really investigate those moments of silence with yourself where you, you notice what's going on in your mind and body when you, when your mind wanders about the world around you Mm -hmm. and, and realizing that a lot of the times we run through our days and our weeks and our months, giving space for people only when it's convenient for ourselves. And I'm not perfect. Like I'll call myself out. The very first is, you know, you got kids and, and they've got questions Mm -hmm. and the questions always come at the most inconvenient time. Like, okay, but dude, I got a meeting in five minutes. I got to hop on the phone or we got to run out or like, come on, why the question now? Let's get out of the car. Let's get into the grocery store. Like I'm not perfect, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but to at least be aware Mm -hmm. that you've really got to give space to people around you. You first have to give space to yourself and recognize, Mm -hmm. um, like check in with yourself, check in with yourself. That's exactly that's that's what I call it. Checking in with yourself. Yeah. And meditation, that can be anything, right? Meditation isn't just about breathe in, breathe out, focus on the breath. Sure, that's a great way to get into investigating mm-hmm. what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many aspects of how you can do that. 
Mm-hmm. And when you really start to investigate what's going inside, you can start to see where, where you act when it's convenient for you and mm-hmm. when you, where you don't. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you talk about, uh, the convenience of listening to people at certain times and then just not mm-hmm. being available at other times. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You're allowed to have boundaries. You're allowed yeah. to, yeah. you're allowed to have boundaries in any battle you're fighting mm-hmm. in your life. Um, you know, the more aware you become of the biases you hold mm-hmm. of the discrimination you do hold, even when you think you're an open-minded person, when you dive deeper into yourself, you can be more available for other people mm-hmm. at the right moments. You can then recognize, whoa, this is a right moment. Mm-hmm. Let's pause the world for this relationship mm-hmm. right now. Um, and that's not an easy lesson learned. It's again, like I said, I'm not perfect. I struggle with it a lot still. Um, but yeah, to just make yourself available for people. You've got to dive into yourself. So mm-hmm. if you're into um, into a situation where you're trying to help an addicted person in your life, you've got to do a lot more work on you. You've got the first thing you do is dive into yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not at fault for their addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not there to be the person that's going to save them from their addiction. Mm-hmm. But you've you've got to make yourself available at the right moments. At Mm -hmm. least if you truly care, if you Mm -hmm. truly love them and you love yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Jordan. Like I, I know for me going through with Eden, because I'm also in long-term recovery from my own addiction uh, with alcoholism, but it really wasn't until, and I had, uh, you know, had, been doing my own work and stuff like that just for myself and my own recovery um but I like everything changed for me when I went through it with with Eddie and I don't know if that was because I was her mom I think that probably has something to do with it because she was my daughter she was my baby girl you know um and then how how severe and how bad it got for her. Like, I really had to look at myself, like, big time. And more than I ever have ever had to going through anything else in my life. Um, and just really explore really what, uh, like, what love meant to me. Mm-hmm. And, and not... Because back then, too, this is several years ago now, but back then, too, there was this big thing in in the recovery circles of, you know, this tough love, tough love. And tough love at the time was shutting them out. You know what I mean? Closing closing the door, closing off the relationship until they hit rock bottom and decided, you know, you just, you just, you're not, I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm not going to talk to you because it's, it's tough love. This is gonna, this is gonna force you. It's gonna somehow make you see that you know yeah. what you're doing is wrong. Well, and we've all been there, and that yeah, we've all yeah, totally right. Yep. And I, I remember, and I, so I had kind of adopted this mentality because it's what we were learning. 
right? And I remember one day, because uh, Eden was on the street, as you, as you know, right, and stuff like that. And so it got to the point in my, in my journey with her that I literally every day didn't know if she was dead or alive. You know, is today the day I'm going to get the call that they found my daughter dead? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, but then I also never knew when I was going to see her. And so, yeah, I remember one day getting a chance, just a spur of the moment chance to see her for like five minutes, ten minutes. It was never very long. And it was in one of those moments that I realized, um, because seeing her ripped my heart out because it was horrible Mm -hmm. to see her. You know what I mean? It was, she lived on the street, so she she didn't look good. She was now the result of you drawing that line as a boundary. Yeah. That was, is it fair for me to say it was a false boundary? It was just the only, it was the only next thing you knew to do with her. Yeah, and and so I, I remember feeling in that moment that something shifted for me in my thinking and in my, perception of tough love and something switched between my head knowledge and my heart and and I a new paradigm was born I guess you could say in that moment when I realized that actually tough love for me is now showing up and mm-hmm. being present it's when putting it, the tough love it, on yourself yeah, it's it's yeah. tough to love that person yes, sometimes yes, but you have to lean yes, into those moments yeah and and you know, and still learn to have boundaries around that, not let it, you know, suck the life out of me, mm-hmm. but still be able to go the distance when it, when it does hurt, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, I think that's why I called it a false boundary Yeah, because it's worth noting that there, there are very valid boundaries Yes, that would have been yours in that situation, yeah. different from somebody else's. Yes. Yes. But I think you have to, as part of investigating yourself Yes, is know, okay, what are my boundaries and what are the things that really... Yeah. That I'm not open to. Mm -hmm. Well, and why? Um, And why? Why am I not open to it? Like what's actually going on? Dig it up. Dig it up. You know what I mean? Dig it, dig it deeper, Mm -hmm. dig it deeper and find out. And some of the reason for wanting to, you know, shut Eden off until she was able to get better and get help was because it was painful and I was scared. Mm -hmm. I was scared of that. She was going to die. Yeah. And then I was going to have to face that grief. But the know? thing is, you're going to have to, f- it, 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 and, uh, please don't, this isn't a shot at you. I think this yeah. is just the broad, the learning yeah. curve that you go through in these situations is, uh, dare I say, tough love has never worked. It, it never yeah. works by turning your back on someone yes, and saying, I agree. Oh, and, and I know in the moment you're not saying, you're not, I'm not turning my back on them. It's just I've had enough and this is my boundary and they keep you know, they keep taking advantage of me. Mm-hmm. So this is my new boundary. Get mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And and I have no time or space for you. Figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor, but I don't think it has yeah. ever yeah. worked. Yeah. Um, and I and think it there's... only, it, it only is, it's going to lead you right back to the totally, same totally. face-to-face. Yeah. Got to figure it out another way yeah. sooner or later. Yeah. When I think there's, there's other stuff going on in that scenario too mm-hmm. for that. Cause I knew that there was for me, mm-hmm. there was for me. Mm-hmm. Right. But I know that everyone, you know, I know that, um, Lindsay's parents, Pat and guy, um, I mean, gosh, like legit the strong, the two strongest people I've ever met in my life, like hands down. If you, you know, if you said, okay, you got to pick your team. 
Who do you want in your corner? Uh, those are the first two. Mm-hmm. And they do have a different approach. And I know they had a different approach with Ryan at different times, right? Mm-hmm. And no one is right or wrong in that, but they're just trying to figure it <laughs> out exactly. in the infancy of it all. Yes, yes. And that's even part of it. That's even part of it. So you're allowed to. I, th- I think I'm speaking to the broader audience listening is that you're allowed to, um, you're allowed to have those moments. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to want to finally throw said person out. Mm-hmm. But... Um, just know that even if you choose to do that, that it's just, it's a temporary fix for your own emotion in that moment. It's not going to fix the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would encourage you to just find the strength to double back to them sooner than later mm-hmm. and bring them back into your circle, mm-hmm. make it a safe circle. Um, you know, uh, it, it, the next thing that brings to my mind is I think that's a, I think that is a great thing for our broader community. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people will sit who know me here locally in Calgary will sit go, all right, just a broadcaster. You're a, you're a meteorologist. You're a broadcaster. Stay in your lane. Um, and fair enough. But I don't ever have an interest in running in politics. I am just deeply as a member of our community centered Mm -hmm. on the policies that we shape as a group of people living together in an area. Mm -hmm. I would challenge the broader community to really, you think you're open-minded again, but far too often in, in our news programs, do I see people fired up once something comes to their immediate community that not in my backyard type mentality yeah how open-minded are you how willing are you to support the people in your community Mm -hmm. even when it comes into your backyard Mm -hmm. and i know i you know what i know there are a lot of people when it's inconvenient when it's inconvenient for you yeah um and i've been there i've been there in my late 20s you know the first few times um you know, you make that massive first purchase of, of your life and you're mm-hmm. in your first home and everything's motoring along good and you start to become just a little bit more conservative in your practices mm-hmm. uh, in your household because now you've, you kind of have a little bit more vested interest in what you've worked hard for. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, even in those moments when Ryan would trash those investments that were so material, but it was like, oh, you jerk. Mm-hmm. Like not my house. Go get high in your apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, go wander around the streets then and cause mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Don't come to my house when we ask you to babysit the dogs and trash the whole place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my broader appeal to people is to, if it ever comes, if there's ever anything, especially addictions, recovery, homelessness, any of that stuff related, and it comes to affect your immediate community find the strength and the open-mindedness to lean into it be a part of it don't just be that news clip that is well what about property rights i get it all i do get that side of it Mm -hmm. but have you ever thought that maybe by leaning into something and becoming a part of the solution it might become a better effort in the community Mm -hmm. And I think we need that too. And I mm-hmm. think those, when we spend all this time talking about folks who are so close to someone who's facing addictions and trying to deal with their trauma, and, and we're talking to those people around them in their immediate circle about the best way to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you broaden that circle a little bit and you mm-hmm. go, maybe you have a neighbor or a friend um, that is facing that crap in shame mm-hmm. and you don't know all of it. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you just lean into being a more contributed member in your community, that will offer people the strength to get through their little bits of crap. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I don't know how concise that is. I don't know if that makes no, complete totally, sense. But Jordan, yeah. you think about, you know, my only mission for coaching kids in hockey is the fact that that is legit supposed to be a place of fun. Totally. A fun. Yes. You're talking about eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 10, 11, 15-year-olds. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, I start every season by t- telling kids and family members, I'm not here to get your kid to the NHL. I'm here to give them another outlet yeah. to be themselves, to totally. develop their personality and to have space in case they need it. Yeah. And, and so my only goal for a coach is to create that space for a kid that, that I know I'm contributing to my community, that they may be facing an abusive parent at home. Mm-hmm. They might be facing an abusive grandparent in mm-hmm. the household. Mm-hmm. They might be facing abuse at school mm-hmm. or in the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, th- those are very typical areas where totally. we see kids face abuse. Absolutely. And if I can be one person mm-hmm. to at least the best of my knowledge as a father, know that I, th- I think things are going well in our household, that my kids find a safe environment everywhere they are. Mm-hmm. But now I've broadened my efforts to say, okay, but what about the community? What about all the other kids out there? Mm-hmm. How are they doing? Yeah. And can I be a father figure, a coach figure for them? Yeah. That one of them, mm-hmm. one of a hundred kids that I might come across in the mm-hmm. next five years coaching mm-hmm. might just find that space and inspiration and protection by coming to hockey a couple times a week. Totally, yeah. Then you've done something for your community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty broad plea from me for people to instead of get their their little bubble of protection up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and say, not in my backyard, not in my family, not in my house. Mm-hmm. Whatever the level of <laughs> trauma you're facing or trying to help someone else navigate through. Yeah. You know, well within your own boundaries and respect your own boundaries, but lean into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Totally, Jordan. Yeah. How um, I w- I wanted to ask you, like, you know, in sharing all of this stuff and and, and being a part of Lindsay's life and her family and like, you, you know, how like would you say that? everything that you guys have been through together with Ryan and then just even watching Lindsay have, have to go through this with her family, you know, and her brother and everything like that. And you, you've uh, spoken a lot to some of just your own, how things have changed for you in the last few years, your own reflection, your own, um, time of just kind of investigating yourself and checking in with yourself. Would you, how would you say this, has because i i'm assuming that i'm assuming i'm i'm asking you to but i'm assuming this has even made your relationship with Lindsay better mm. like made your marriage better like your marriage is better <laughs> because of what you guys have been through with ryan like would that be um you know what yeah yes and no but here i'm going to qualify that okay 
Um, it has inspired me to make my marriage great because I've seen how much closer it has bonded Lindsay's parents that they have been to literal hell and back. Mm-hmm. And there were moments early in my years as a part of their family where I thought, well, at some point they're going to split. Like you just can't, you can't survive this shit. Yeah. And like, my God, um, they did, again, they just have strength, right? It's just yes. strength. And so that, that's an inspiration. I find inspiration from people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm still 30 or eight, 38 years old and I'm a little bit of an idiot sometimes still trying to figure out relationships as is. Mm-hmm. But I think what it's done is really at, what the key component of a good relationship is, is communication. Absolutely. And I think it has always forced us back to communication because there was, there was the ripple effect in Ryan's life. It rippled mm-hmm. to Lindsay and I, mm-hmm. and I know that's what you're, that's what you're inquiring on yeah. is, okay, so did that, in, that bring you tighter together? No, it pushed us apart a lot. Um, but in the long run, it has improved our communication with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. We're still what I'd like to think as a young couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I think what it really has done to strengthen our marriage is it has forced us both to break a cycle with our kids and talk talk and talk and talk. And when you think you've exhaustively given them the tools about drugs and addiction and trauma, we talk more. And I think in those moments, as we sit and have those honest conversations with our kids, Mm -hmm. um, since they could speak, they've Mm -hmm. known about uncle Ryan's drug addiction. And of course they had to face his death and, Mm -hmm. and ask more questions about that and come to comprehend it. But I think it's in those moments that you realize, damn, we're, we're a team. We can make a good team if we continue to talk, talk to our kids and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I say yes or no. I laugh because still we're all human and, and I'm, I'm a big idiot sometimes. <laughs> um, and again, you project all of the traumas. You never, I, I will never judge anyone's trauma better or, or worse than someone else's. Mm-hmm. And we've all faced something at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we project that on our closest, our loved mm-hmm. ones, right? Totally. Um, yeah. But in all of that, you're not going to recognize that again until you start to come to peace within yourself mm-hmm. to then start to investigate how you're treating your relationships based on mm-hmm. how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so cliche when you talk about loving yourself first before other people. Um, and there's still parts that I, I mean, there's still times and parts of me that I absolutely despise, but in the last five years since Ryan's death, I mean, I, I would like to say I've grown exponentially. I've, that has been the the catalyst for me investigating myself further Mm -hmm. for the good parts of me, the terrible parts of me, Mm -hmm. um, the parts that people love, even though I think I, I don't love them about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and boundaries figuring out my true boundaries, mm-hmm. not just those. Oh yeah. I think that makes me, you know, right now I'm angry and I'm emotional. So this is my new boundary, but really what are your core beliefs mm-hmm. and what will you do to stick by them mm-hmm. while still supporting other people? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think I find that when you get to that 
so many of us. When you talk, when you talk about, you know what? The world is actually really good out there. It's because we all do hold pretty close core beliefs. Mm-hmm. No matter what country we were born in, what type of family environment we were raised in, um, all of that just contributes to, okay, so when you get emotional, per se, mm-hmm. um, you will shift your line of boundaries differently. <laughs> But I think at the core of it, we're facing a pretty good world out there because, you know, there's a lot of people with the core boundaries, core beliefs, core values that are the same. Mm -hmm. Um, We all find different reasons to just stray from them or ways to cope and stray from them too, right? Whether Mm -hmm. we're facing someone who has an addiction or we're facing an addiction ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, when you see something out there and you're you're ready to be fearful of something in your community or someone in your community or confused and not know how to process something in your family mm-hmm. or in your community, just step back and go, is this really violent? Am I emotional about this right now? Am I fearful about this right mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Or does this or does this really not conflict with my core values? And I think when we're talking about funding mental health programs and addictions programs, and we look at the grand scope of how many people that affects, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people would step back and go, yeah, no, 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 I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Even if it is right in your community. Because it is. It because is. the addictions yeah. is in your community. Yeah. Um, can't just isolate the treatment of it in some corner industrial area mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. nothing, no one really knows. Mm-hmm. Totally, Jordan. Yeah. 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 So this is really like, I know, like I, I've been getting to know you and Lindsay a lot more, a lot lately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, you guys, to me, just seem 100% like sold out kind of thing when it comes to just raising awareness and and really deeply caring Mm -hmm. about this issue like addiction and mental health and, and getting behind, you know, organizations and agencies, things like that to help support this and push this forward and so like and I and I know it is different when it has touched you personally right and totally turned your life upside down and right side up and you know and then you're trying to make sense of it all going forward so I know that's where a lot of this comes from and then just even your own both of you having your own uh, introspection and investigative work in your own lives and stuff like that and um, and and I mean we're all going to have you know to some degree just like what you've said we've all been touched to some de- degree some of us more than others by this right mm-hmm. um, but I think as a whole as a community it is important like this is why these stories are so important and even 
like, yeah, and even just even hearing from you and as, you know, even just like as you were saying, you were kind of, you were like an outsider coming into this, but then to some to some extent finding out that you were not so much outside as you thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You were more inside than you realized, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't even really, I'm not sure where... I'm going with that. I kind of lost my train of thought, but I, th- I, I think I can dive in on that and yeah. say though, that if you are lost, like again, always investigate what you can learn from mm-hmm. whatever situation you're facing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what you could gain from it. Uh, when I go to the space of how I'm contributing to my community these days, mm-hmm. it's all a reflection on Ryan. Yeah. And, and I only, I am only saddened by the fact that he's not here mm-hmm. to, to do it all with me, to be a coach that's open to listening to kids, mm-hmm. to truly listening to their body language, mm-hmm. to their spirit, mm-hmm. to how they speak to others, to maybe go, well, there's something, there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. And how can I support this kid? I mean, God, the fantasy of having Ryan right there with me. I mean, Ryan was a hockey player. God, he could coach better than I could, but he had the spirit, like he had that human spirit mm-hmm. that his approach along with mine would just be, let's just go out there and have fun with these kids. And I'm really saddened by the fact that you miss out on things like that. Him and I could be a, a wicked coaching duo for a bunch of kids in our community, you know. We talk about just recently, you know, and really in his honor for Halloween, here locally just trying to lift the spirits of some of the homeless people in our in our mm-hmm. city mm-hmm. and my my attempt to just try and do that and engage some community members you included right mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. last week uh and we went out and we delivered some cheese buns and just to think man that'd been so cool to have ryan there doing that mm-hmm. because there were moments where he just you know it was only days at a time where he just ditched home altogether he took off or he just got lost in his and being high mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. never came home for a bit. And, and who knows what the hell he was doing out there. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when I was in that moment where I just stepped into it, and I'm like, I don't know what to do here. And yet mm-hmm. Lindsay, my wife at the time would leave like first year of marriage would just leave the house because Ryan was out in the street somewhere yeah, and lost and no one could find him and he hadn't come home. And, and it wasn't convenient for me at two in the morning. And I'm trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. She'd get up and go on her own out on the street and find him. And how much I failed her in those moments and I failed him in those moments. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, that's the inspiration. That's what I've learned from that. And I'm saying just don't, don't let it be too late that, that you, if you're listening, that you grasp onto that lesson. You can have boundaries, but you can also be there for those people who are mm-hmm. truly needing you to be there. Mm-hmm. And we all need someone to be there for mm-hmm. us at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. in some of the episodes that we were recording last week, we were talking about connection and relationship and just how powerful having support is. You know, and we, 
and it's true. It's true. And it, whether we're going through a drug and alcohol addiction, whether we're going through a porn addiction, whether we're going through a sex addiction, whether we're going through a shopping addiction, or I, like what, whether you're hiding out in chat rooms, you know what I mean? You're married, but you're, you're having emotional affairs and you're hiding out in chat rooms, talking to different, getting emotionally fed that way. Like whatever, mm-hmm. whether you're eating, you know what I mean? You're overeating or you're binge eating, like whatever it looks like that we're doing, right? Because chances are, you know what I mean? Most of us have some form of coping mm-hmm. that is yeah. either not healthy right now or at one time it was not healthy and you have since dealt with it. But there's so much out there that we do to cope, to numb, to mm. hide out, mm. to, yeah. like and, to, and gosh, you talk about investigating yourself too, right? Like a yeah. lot of the times I failed being there for Ryan by putting up false boundaries and really pushing him away mm-hmm. when all I was doing on the inside was just trying to, um, you know, stay a hundred paces ahead of him by mm-hmm. the only, by the same, like dealing with junk myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, at least I'm better than Ryan on the outside. Yeah. At least, yeah. you know, Ryan's yes. got an addiction, yeah. but Hey, I'm a okay over here in my own family household. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not the case. It's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. you say that we're all, we could all use each other sometimes. Yes, that's yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, and, even though it's draining to try to lean to somebody when they need you, um, I guess I'd say is maybe in, in those moments of investigation, make sure that you're not putting up a boundary because you're scared of what you're facing yourself, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, um, This is this has been good. Thanks. Yeah. Season two. This is <laughs> this has been good. Um, I uh, I'm just yeah. I I um. I, I there's so much in this episode. There's so many pockets yeah, yeah, of yeah. yeah. I, can I say please if please. we're wrapping? Yeah. Um, if you really are looking at ways to uh, to get into meditation, to sort of slow down and um, investigate yourself, get in touch with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good resources out there. It isn't just about breathing. Um, it isn't just about it isn't, there isn't an end goal of becoming enlightened. That mm-hmm. is not the case. It is, um, there's so many tools out there for you. The first book that really put it into clarity for me, it's called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Okay. No connection, no relation for the fact that he's also a news anchor. It's oh, just okay. a great book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he faced his own addictions. Um, and then judgment from, um, his, his friends and family mm-hmm. and really the whole nation watching him as a news anchor mm-hmm. to get into meditation. And he puts it in layman's terms about wow, how you're going okay. about things. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. There's a lot of resources here in Calgary. There are a lot of resources across this country, mm-hmm. um, uh, that people can lean on if they're looking to just get a little more in tuned with what's going on in their head and in their mm-hmm. heart. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Jordan, for that. I'll I'll maybe get grab that link. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, and yeah. I'll put I'll throw that in the show notes too for okay. anyone that wants to get that book and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Um, is there anything you else you would like to? Oh gosh! Leave again, with like we could talk forever. I, I know could sit and talk. you I, inspire me so much with the work you're doing with the Terminator Foundation, with this podcast, the way you dive wholeheartedly into our community. That again, I think I look back on that's that's someone I want to be, and um, and if more of us could look at someone like you and say, how am I going to contribute a little bit more of my energy? Um, is it just enough to work in your community and make a living, or what are you really doing to? Uh, give a different end of your abilities. You know, I sit at work and I think, okay, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm decent at broadcasting, and I'm a good forecaster. A lot of people would argue that, and that's fine. But that's just one part of what I bring to the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know I have other abilities that I can contribute. Thanks mostly in part to Ryan and his family, our family, my mm-hmm. family. Yes. To yes. to go. How? What else can I do in this community? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think if people look, you know, I look to you and I think a lot of people should to say, okay, that's the type of person I can be. We can, I don't know, we're not writing a book on peace. It's not a child's book on, on gaining peace and, and equality. This is just, this is like, we can actually make a difference mm-hmm. if more of us put a little bit more energy from mm-hmm. our day into something other than ourselves. Absolutely. I so agree with that. Yeah. That, yeah. So true, Jordan. And thank you too. Thank you for everything that you do, like everything that you do from even using your platform, you know, with global and like, you're just, you're so much more and, and you've created that from what I can see totally based on heart, a lot of heart, you know, and truly, sincerely, genuinely invested in people yeah into this community you know yeah yeah and so just thank you for for all of what you do you know from that platform to going to being a coach to doing the stuff that you're doing you know with the field of crosses to like you're just so that how you show up for terminator like you show up at like 110 percent wherever you are you just show up you know you give it all and it's, it's, you, you're also inspiring. And I, I'm so grateful I think I, for you and Lindsay. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I think that's just it. If I can age myself and maybe even, you know, by giving way too much energy to my community, which I probably do go overboard way too often. And Hey, you know what, if I live a premature life because of that, but if I can inspire people to mm-hmm. just give 10% more of their energy, mm-hmm. 5% more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe we've, you know, yeah. those of us crazy nuts, you and me, that can't <laughs> slow down, can, can leave this place a little bit better by yeah. inspiring other people. So yeah. I hope that's the end game. Yeah, yeah. me yeah. too. Me too. Oh, Jordan, it's such a pleasure having you. Thank you Thanks. for coming on today and being a part of this. And, and I, I look forward to having you on again, um, mm-hmm. you know, at another so time. So much more to talk so about. So much more to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Don't we know it? Um, yeah. Okay, everyone. Well, that is, um, I, I'm so excited. It's incredible that, that we're in season two. And so this has been the first season or sorry, the first episode for season two, uh, with Jordan Witzel today. 
and uh, we'll have uh, some links in the show notes here. And so I just, uh, again, want to thank our EHN Canada. Um, and again, I just wanted to briefly mention about the, the New Start Youth uh, IOP program that has already launched. Uh, don't forget that the program is currently accepting applications for fully subsidized treatment. So if you know of a youth, if you're a parent with a youth, if you're a caregiver with a youth, uh, ages 14 to 18, uh, that is struggling with addiction, struggling with substance use disorders, this program, uh, you're going to want to check out this program. Again, that's with EHN Canada. It's the New Start Youth IOP program. It's all online. It's all online. And and they even offer, um, as part of the program, there's support for parents, support for the caregivers. Um, And so, yeah, so again, that website is www.newstartfoundation.ca. And I will have all of this information in the show notes. Again, we're so grateful to our EHN Canada episode sponsor for um, sponsoring this episode of the Ordinary Courage podcast uh, with your host, Venetia Briolt. And till next time, everyone. Thanks. You can look for us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll uh, talk to you guys again.